Both men defy our ideas of the perfect Victorian marriage in quite different and startling ways. An interesting and thought-provoking backdrop to what might be considered at first glance a simple ghost story. In 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums, we're delving into the collections to discover objects that can tell us stories about the past and make us think about the present and the future. I'm Millie Wellborn, Museum Assistant at Lancaster City Museums. Today's episode involves two famous authors, a Lancastrian inn and a ghost. It's a spooky tale that can also provide us with an image of Victorian Lancaster and how visitors to the town may have seen it. Today's object is a commemorative booklet entitled A Visit to Lancaster by Mr Charles Dickens. The book is very small, just 14 centimetres by 9.5 centimetres. It has a simple cloth cover, which is beige, with black printing on it. The cover shows the title beneath a small design of a crown and foliage. At some point in its history, the owner has wrapped the cover in plastic to help protect it. On the first few pages there is an engraving of the lobby and grand staircase of the King's Arms Hotel, where Dickens stayed and which features heavily in the story that he wrote while staying there. The rest of the booklet contains sections from Dickens' writings on Lancaster, as well as descriptions of some other events that happened in the town in the late 1850s and 1860s. Rachel Roberts, Collections Registrar at Lancaster City Museums, told us a little bit more about the book and the visit of Charles Dickens to Lancaster. The booklet was printed nine years after Charles Dickens and Wilkie Collins stayed in Lancaster in 1857, so it also takes the opportunity to include some other things that have happened in the intervening years. The first section is the extract from Household Words. After this, we have extracts from the Railway Guide, which gives a rather poetical description of Lancaster, of which it says... In all broad England, there is no spot upon its fair surface that presents to the eye a sweep of panoramic scenery as that which enchants the beholder when standing on one or other of the delightful eminences which abound in and about the fine old historic town of Lancaster. The guide suggests that visitors should go to the castle. A look over the ancient pile, it says, is always attainable by a magistrate's order and offers much pleasure. And it also suggests the Priory Church, the Lancaster Aqueduct, Grammar School, Town Hall and Ripley Institute should be on the itinerary of any Victorian visitor to Lancaster. The description of the torchlight procession takes the form of a reprint of the Order of Service, which announces that there'll be a torchlight procession and the public roasting of two fat oxen on the 9th of March 1863. The procession was made up of a large number of townspeople carrying torches, with some playing well-recognised folk characters like Sir Plum Pudding, Sir Loin Beef and Mr Cheese. It also promises that six of the torchbearers will be mounted on magnificent superb donkeys. At the end is a request that all endeavour to preserve order, that a peaceable and amusing evening may be spent, with a final statement, no money returned. The final piece, A Tourist's Visit to Lancaster, is an extract from a piece published in the local newspaper in 1866. It describes a stay at the King's Arms Hotel, where Dickens and Collins had stayed, and the wonderful dinners experienced there. It also describes the castle, of which it says that John of Gaunt would be repugnant about its current use as a prison, concluding that, If any of your friends have time to spare, by all means let them take an hour or so here in passing. Do a good dinner, then the church, and if really necessary, the castle. 
We're not 100% sure of the motivation behind the printing of this little commemorative booklet. However, the reader might notice that all sections, one way or another, include a rather long and glowing account of the King's Arms Hotel, which was run by Mr Sly and his wife. And we can be fairly sure that it was produced commercially by Mr Sly to help promote the King's Arms Hotel. Charles Dickens' stay there in 1857 is also mentioned in the majority of the sections, so we can be pretty sure that Mr Sly was also using that as a promotional tool nearly a decade after the actual stay. Why was Charles Dickens in Lancaster in 1857, and was he travelling alone? Charles Dickens came to Lancaster in 1857 as part of a tour of many places in the north of England. He was travelling with his friend, who was another well-known Victorian author, Wilkie Collins. Dickens was in a rather stressful point in his life at the time, and as well as still being an active author of novels, he was editing and writing for his own periodical publication called Household Words. He decided to take a break from everyday life by taking a sightseeing tour around the north of England, which he would turn into semi-autobiographical stories to publish in Household Words. He invited his friend Wilkie Collins along, not only as a companion, but also as a co-author. Collins was an up-and-coming author, and the pair had known each other for several years at this point, and had also written together before as well. On their tour, they visited Carlisle, the Lake District, Doncaster, and, of course, Lancaster. The two wrote short pieces about the places they visited, which they sent back to London for publication in Household Words just weeks or months after they were written. These short pieces were then collected together in a book which told the whole story and was published under the title The Lazy Tour of Two Idle Apprentices. The stories they wrote are narrated by two characters, Thomas Idle and Francis Goodchild, who were caricatures of Dickens and Collins himself. Dickens was Francis Goodchild, a man described as laboriously idle, who would often go to extreme pains and expend a lot of energy in the pursuit of being idle. While Collins was Thomas Idle, a born and bred idler, as they wrote, who can barely rouse himself to do anything and is often exasperated at his companion's rather energetic form of idleness. In these characters, the men were poking fun at themselves and the differences between them. After visiting Carlisle, the pair decided to climb Carrick Fell, and during the walk, Thomas Idle falls and sprains his ankle quite badly, which is a fate which actually befell Collins, forcing the two to travel more slowly between hotels where Collins could rest for much of the rest of the trip. After this, they travel to Wigton and Allenby, and then stay in Lancaster at the King's Arms Hotel, which is still there today, before finally going on to Doncaster Races, which was their last stop on the tour. What did Dickens and Collins write about Lancaster? And what might have inspired them to write the story that they did? Can the story tell us anything about its authors and the way they interacted with the world? The two men arrive at the King's Arms. At 1am one night, the door to their room is opened to reveal an old man dressed all in black. The story he tells involves a woman and her previous lover who she'd left to marry a wealthy man. When her husband dies, the old lover returns to her bent on wooing her again and trying to get as much money out of her as he possibly could. She dies before she's given him anything. He forges a document making himself the guardian of the woman's ten-year-old daughter and immediately hires a woman to keep her isolated from the rest of the world in the house that would later become the King's Arms Hotel. Dickens and Collins write, The girl was formed in fear of him and in the conviction that there was no escape from him. After eleven years, he marries her and they live as man and wife in the same house. He instructs her to copy out a document which hands all of her money and possessions over to him when she dies. And when this is done, he asks her whether she understands what the document means. When she says she does, he replies, Now die. I've done with you. For many days and nights, he sits in her chamber repeating the word over and over again, Die, die, die. Locked in the house and isolated from any other person, he repeats this treatment for days until finally she's worn down and quietly dies. He decides to sell the house and begins to clear the overgrown gardens to make it more attractive. 
One evening he spots a young man in the branches of a tree and he confronts him. He finds out that this young boy was his bride's lover. He would climb the tree and speak to her for many years and saw how badly she was treated and was now gathering evidence to have the man convicted and hanged. Upon hearing this, the man kills the young lover with a billhook. He buries the body in the garden underneath a tree. Afraid now to sell the house, lest someone should find that body, he's forced to live there and is haunted by the fear of someone discovering his secret. Ten years later, the tree is struck by lightning and when some scientists sneak in and dig it up, the body's found. The man's arrested and hanged at Lancaster Castle a hundred years before Goodchild and Idle arrive for their stay. But that's not where it ends. The murderer finds himself as a ghost, forever trapped in the bridal chamber along with the ghost of the young lover and the bride. And as an added torture for one month every year, his ghost becomes free to walk about the house. But at every strike of the hour, he is multiplied so that he's one ghost at one o'clock, two ghosts at two o'clock and so on. With each multiplication, he feels the fear and pain of all the versions of himself, culminating in the agony of the deaths of all 12 men being executed at once. It's a really chilling story and was written by two of the masters of gothic ghost stories of the 19th century. However, it can also tell us something about one of the big questions of the time for both society as a whole and for Dickens and Collins in their own lives, the question of marriage. Due to how the stories in Household Words were published, we can't be exactly sure which of Dickens or Collins wrote the story. Those who've examined it have tended to decide that Dickens was the author of this section and indeed is his character Goodchild that relates the tale. However, the figure of the bride and the malevolent use of marriage within the tale fit much more closely actually with the writings of Wilkie Collins. To us today, it might seem that marriage was an unchanging and uncontroversial thing to the Victorians. But in fact, that period saw many debates around and changes to the institution of marriage and the laws that governed it, something that Wilkie Collins in particular was very concerned with. At the time, Charles Dickens wasn't happy in his own marriage and would go on to separate from his wife, treating her with a good deal of unkindness in the process. But Wilkie Collins had very different views to Dickens. He disapproved of marriage and is believed to have seen it as a way of trapping people in unhealthy relationships, both men and women. He never married, but openly had two life partners, Caroline Graves and Martha Rudd. He treated his children and stepchildren all as his own, providing them with the best education that he could, probably hoping to provide them with options outside of marriage. Many of Collins' novels use marriage and or the illegitimacy of people stemming from their parents' marital status as the overarching evil in the setting. One of his most famous novels, The Woman in White, is in many ways a chilling expansion on the tale written in Lancaster, where Laura Farley is isolated and dominated by her cruel husband and his friend. He isolates her from anyone she knows and places her in an institution to allow him to fake her death all of which he's easily able to do as the marriage laws allow him to make almost all legal decisions for his wife, as well as keep her confined to the house and away from any friends and family without them being able to do anything. The women in Collins' novels are often more realistic depictions of those who found themselves in bad marriages than we see in Dickens' writings. Like the girl in this story, though they may sometimes try to fight back, they are ultimately trapped and unable to get any help from the law, which recognises their husband's legal claim over them as property. What do we know about the lives of these two very famous men, and how does their trip to Lancaster fit in? When Dickens and Collins came to Lancaster, Dickens was 46 and Collins was 34. The pair had met in 1851 through Dickens' amateur theatrical company when Collins had acted with them. When they met, Dickens was already an extraordinarily famous writer with many of his most famous books already published, which included Oliver Twist, A Christmas Carol and David Copperfield. 
Collins was only in his 20s and had recently published his first novel, as well as a couple of non-fiction books. But the two became friends quickly and Collins was often invited to spend time with the Dickens family. Collins started writing for Household Words in 1852 and the two spent large amounts of time together. Collins' third novel, Hide and Seek, was dedicated to Dickens and Collins also wrote plays which Dickens produced for the stage. By 1857, the two were a large part of each other's lives, but Dickens' marriage was failing and he wasn't happy at this time in his life. In 1858, not long after their visit to Lancaster in October of the previous year, information came out about Dickens and two unnamed women, which became known as the Garrick Club Affair. It caused a great public scandal. Dickens reacted angrily, cutting off friendships and business acquaintances with anyone who sided with or sympathised with his wife Catherine. The exception to this was Wilkie Collins, who remained close friends with both Catherine and Charles for the rest of their lives. In 1857, Dickens also first met Ellen Ternan, an 18-year-old actress with whom he'd go on to have a long-term affair. The name of the bride in the Lancaster ghost story is Ellen, which some people believe point to Dickens being the sole author of this piece. The final destination for the tour, Doncaster, was also chosen by Dickens and was where Ellen Ternan was due to be performing. But whether this is enough to identify Dickens as the only author of the story is still uncertain. In spring of 1858, Dickens finally separated from his wife Catherine. They couldn't divorce without Dickens showing proof of adultery on Catherine's behalf, but he used his influence to attempt to destroy her character, writing that she was mentally unbalanced and an unfit wife and mother. Eventually, Catherine was forced to leave his house with only one of her ten children and had only limited contact with the rest of her family after that. In the same year, Collins began living with his first partner, Caroline Graves, and her daughter, Collins published several best-selling novels, including The Woman in White and The Moonstone, and established himself as a top-tier author in his own right. Through the 1860s and 70s, Dickens continued his relationship with Ellen Ternan, while Collins separated from and then restarted his relationship with Grays, and also started his relationship with Martha Rudd. Both men defy our ideas of the perfect Victorian marriage in quite different and startling ways, and their relationships to the women in their own lives and how they thought women should be treated on the legal and public stage are an interesting and thought-provoking backdrop to what might be considered at first glance a simple ghost story which they wrote during their short trip to Lancaster. What else did they note about Lancaster, and what can that tell us about how Victorians viewed the town and its history? Dickens, it seems, found it cramped, stating that it is Mr Goodchild's opinion that if a visitor on his arrival at Lancaster could be accommodated with a pole which would push the opposite side of the street some yards farther off, it'd be much better for all parties. However, Mr Goodchild conceives Lancaster to be a pleasant place. He compliments the charming landscape, lovely walks and fine ancient fragment of castle, but then the piece states that in the dark mahogany wood used in so many of the fine buildings of Lancaster, the men saw the hue of the wretched slaves who groaned long ago under old Lancaster merchants. And they say that the great stones and doorways of the town frowned sullen in the brightest weather, that their slave gains turned to curses, and that no good ever came of it, even to the third and fourth generations, until it was wasted and gone. Both men were anti-slavery. Dickens had visited America in 1847 and had gone to the south to visit plantation areas. During that visit, he was saddened by what he saw in relation to the conditions on plantations. 
His opposition to the enslavement of people in America did affect his popularity in the country for a while. However, he did still court an American audience and regained much of his popularity, including another tour of America in 1867. Collins only wrote about the issue once in his 1869 play Black and White. However, the play wasn't received well by audiences, which Collins blamed on the large number of plays dealing with the subject in the wake of the American Civil War, 1861-1865. He never returned to the subject in his public writings. There is also an account in the book of Mr Goodchild, otherwise Dickens, visiting the lunatic asylum, as he describes it, by which he was probably referring to the Moore Hospital. He describes it as a well-functioning place where the staff are kind, but he's still saddened by the plight of the people he sees within. However, outside the ghost story, the entire description of Lancaster and their stay there makes up less than four pages, so it's difficult to get a full impression of what these two rather different famous men thought about the town in 1857. Their brief writing paints it as a beautiful and historic place, but one that's haunted by forlorn people, whether it's the enslaved people who built its wealth, the people in the asylum, or the poor bride from the story. Despite that though, Lancaster and the King's Arms Hotel in particular were still publicising and memorialising this brief stay by literary luminaries a decade later, weaving it into the story of Lancaster. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of 100 Years 100 Objects. There are lots more stories to discover by listening to our other episodes, where we discuss everything from felt hats to local heroes.